listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joining me, as always, it's Sean. Yo. Alright, man. We're back at it with another edition of the Offseason Outlooks. Obviously, you're going to see a lot of these because it's the end. It's the offseason, and... Uh, there's not a lot going on right now, man. I, also, we have no idea how long the offseason's going to last. Yeah, that's so all. We'll whole, get into that a bit that's later. That's a whole other conversation, man. But continuing on with our with our outlooks, if you haven't, if you missed last episode, definitely check it out. It's where we did an offseason outlook for the Toronto Raptors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Definitely an, an interesting one. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely go do that. But in this one, we're going to talk about two teams that I think greatly underperformed. With the amount of expectations they had, you know... That's an understatement. That's an understatement. Yeah, both these teams had championship aspirations, and both of them fell very, very short. And in, in the case of uh, the other team, uh, you know, very way off, if, we're, if, you, if you catch my drift. Yeah, way off, <laughs> way off. See? Way yeah, off. There it is. That's a good one, that's yeah. good one. So, if you haven't already guessed it, the teams that we're going to be doing an offseason outlook for are the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers. Both of which were, both teams were, cha- they were championship contending teams. Like, they were supposed to either win or be at least bare minimum in the NBA Finals this season. And both teams got flamed out in the second round. Um, and they were pretty bad fashion too. Oh yeah. Just in, I think in different ways. Cause one for Milwaukee, they were just gone from the beginning. They were outclassed. They were, they were out from the beginning. And then on the flip side, you had the Clippers who were right there at, until the end. And then they screwed it up. They blew a 3-1 lead. Like they literally blew a 3-1 lead to a Denver team that quite honestly speaking, again, Denver had a great playoff run, but let's be real. They shouldn't have beat the Clippers. Like in no. all, in all, honestly, they shouldn't have beat the Clippers. That's just fact. Uh, well, it shouldn't have happened. Um, again, credit to Denver. Oh yeah, for sure. Credit to Denver for actually pulling it off. But yeah, man, the the fact that both these teams, especially with the amount of uh, playoff experience that the Clippers had, that's that's inexcusable uh, yeah. for what they did. And after flaming out this way, these two teams are also in very tight short windows. Short championship window. Then the case of the Bucks, Giannis is a free agent next year, and if he doesn't sign uh, the extension that he will be offered, the supermax, the Bucks might lose him next year for nothing. And for the Clippers, I think for both, yeah, as you were yeah, saying. and for the Clippers, it's very similar. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are have one more year, basically one more year left before they have a player option, and so it's really championship or bust for these two teams. Yeah, um, especially with the way the current co- rosters are uh, constructed. Like, but these teams have got to get it done now. I think they're in the situation of what the Raptors were last year, right? You gotta, you gotta get it done right now. Otherwise, yeah, a lot of stuff could happen. It's win now mode for both these teams. But let's jump right in with this. Obviously, you guys know all the context. You know about the whole deal with these teams, the blowups and everything of that nature. So let's so let's start off with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, obviously, the way we know, we obviously start these off is we talk about the notable free agents. And for the Bucks case, they don't have a ton of free agents, but they are a couple of them that are key key players. First of which, Robin Lopez, who has a player option for this season. Um, I don't know if he. I feel like he's going to take it because obviously his brother is still on the team. 
I think if I was him, I would take it. It's you know, a $5 you... million dollar player option, so it's not like it's a huge hit. It's good for him. It's yeah. a good amount of money for and him. He and he wasn't, has his brother. Again. He wasn't horrible for the Bucks. I'll, I'll be real. Like, Robin, you know, he, he knew his role. He came in, and he played it pretty darn well. I mean, know? he does what his role is expected of him. He's not going to go crazy. He's not going to do anything crazy on the court. You know, he he's a good veteran guy, a good yeah. locker room guy. Um, one of those important pieces that you need in the locker room more than, I think, anything that he does on the court. He also has one of the, my favorite three-point celebrations ever in Facts. the league. Like, come on, man. Like how, like, how do you not like that? Facts. But, so, yeah, Robin Lopez, a potential free agent. The next up is Wesley Matthews. Um, another guy who, again, he was okay for the Bucks, but like, he's getting older. He's 34 years old now. Damn, he's 34? 34, yeah. It's crazy. Like, I didn't believe that either until I looked it up. Um, oh, but, yeah. Crazy. he's only, Again, again, only a $2.5 million player option. Do I think he will take it? I don't know. His, the, the, his play style is still in demand in today's NBA. Like, he can decently defend. He can shoot the three. I think another contender would, would scoop him up for a cheap contract. Um, but that's... That's if he believes he won't be able to fit, to do it in Milwaukee, which who knows at this point. But yeah, Wesley Matthews is uh, again a potential free agent. Obviously, we got to mention Kyle Korver, who is a free is a free agent this offseason. I don't think the Bucks are gonna bring him back just because of his age. Plus, I do think he's Kyle Korver just wants to win right now, and I think he'll go to like a Clippers or like a Lakers or a team with. Better championship odds, I guess, than the Bucks at this stage. Well, there is a concept of familiarity with Budenholzer. I guess, yeah. Like, I guess if you, if like again, if he wants to come back, they he, they could bring him back. But again, we'll jump. We'll, we'll talk more about what the Bucks actually need in the next in the next segment. And then lastly, uh, although I don't understand why he's a notable free agent, but Bucks fans, I guess, uh, he, I guess he's a notable free agent. He's uh, Pat Connaughton. <laughs> A.K. the book's version of Patrick McCaw for us. It's it's just the Pats, man. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's the Pats. I I don't know what it is about them. It's just like the the coaches love them, but they they're not actually really good. Like, but Pat McCaw, the three time champ. When it comes to piece. these guys, um, about Wesley Matthews, I don't think he's gonna pick up that option because I think he can get more on the market. As you said, his play style is still in demand. And as we saw in the playoffs, he can still be very valuable. He was the best defender on Jimmy Butler. Obviously, Budenholzer screwed that up by not even putting him on Jimmy Butler half the time. Let's be real. Which, he screwed up a lot of things. Yeah. One of many things. But Wesley Matthews showed that he could still be an elite defender when you need him to in the key moments in the playoffs. Ask DeMar DeRozan how much Wesley Matthews bothered him over the years. Okay? Um, and then, obviously, the, the thing about... Milwaukee's notable team free agents is that it's not so much of who they are as a player, but it's the fact that, as we know, Budenholzer does like going 10-11 deep, even in the playoffs. So anybody that's on the bench automatically becomes a notable piece for them because of how much that they have to, you know, how much they're relied upon even in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, again, depth is always... Championship teams need depth. So I'm not going to say... I'm not going to fault the Bucks for bringing these guys back. But at the same time... We need to talk about the salary cap situation, which segues me directly into the team needs. And the first thing the, the Bucks need to do is they need to keep Giannis happy at all costs. And would that mean so? That means that they need to spend money. They need to get win now players to win a championship. 
Uh, and now, potentially, if they can sign the Bucks can sign Giannis to that supermax, they still need to put the pieces together to get him a championship. Because we we mentioned this like when Giannis won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. We're talking about a player now who's a two-time league MVP back to back and a Defensive Player of the Year, an All NBA First Team caliber player. Now he's in that position that Kevin Durant was all those years, a few years ago with OKC. You you have all these accolades. You're established as one of the great players in this league. You need to win a championship just to solidify your legacy. Yeah, for sure, bro. Um, again, I wouldn't panic if I'm the Bucks, considering who yeah, the type of person Giannis is. But again, players do want to win, right? Yeah, um, no, I, I think uh, the Bucks shouldn't have a ton of panic, but... No, keeping Giannis happy should be priority number one for the Bucks. And how would you how would you really do that? First of all, they need a point guard. Um, re- remember, remember, like a year ago, they had a point guard on their team who could actually create. Yeah, I three? do. Uh, he could pretty much do everything on the court. And he was on a cheap deal. And then uh, they pulled the OKC in James Harden. And yeah. They were like, "No, we're not gonna pay you." Yeah. And then now they're trying to redo everything that. that we're talking about Malcolm Brogdon. Up. And the Bucks greatly, greatly dropped the ball, letting Malcolm Brogdon go. Like, how do you let a player like that go? Like, he's a 50-40-90 guy. He's a player that knows his role, plays it very well, great on both ends of the fo- on the floor. And you just, you basically let him walk. Like, so obviously the Bucks need to replace that, replace what Malcolm Brogdon brought to them. So they do need a point guard who can create and, and shoot and spread the floor. Eric Bledsoe is not that guy. Listen, Eric Bledsoe's good at the things he does well, mm-hmm. right? The things that he's suited for, aka defense, rim running, things like that. He's not suited to be a shooter. Um, and like we've seen in the playoffs every single year, how much he underperforms. Yeah. So again, a point guard is definitely something the Bucks would definitely would need to need to look into. Another thing I've been noticing across the Bucks roster is they're very old. Like their team, their, their team is very old. And not very athletic, which is exactly how Miami was able to beat them. You know, they just were more athletic, more physical, uh, were, were more dynamic with how they were able to switch. Especially when considering you have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, you have the, the young rookies in Hero and Robinson that you can put them in different positions. Obviously a Crowder, Solomon Hill. These are players that are so interchangeable. A lot of them are athletic. I would say it's kind of strange too because we think about the Bucks as such a big team. But then when you actually think about it too, as you said, they're a very big team, but they're not very, you know, athletic like, team look, mis- besides Giannis. Like, even if we name players, like Chris Middleton is a, is 29, but he's not very athletic. Like he's, I mean, he's athletic, but he's not out of the world for his position, like, you know? Like, again, the Lopez brothers. Again, big players, good size, they're not athletic. Arizona Sylvia, definitely not athletic. I mean, he doesn't even like, get points. Your out. two most athletic players are Giannis and Wes Matthews. It, that, that's not enough, man. You need to have more. Oh, Pat Content, actually. Yeah, I forget about Pat Content at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the, you, need to, you need more youthful youth and athleticism on this team. The Obviously, I think personally, the next thing the Bucks need to do is trade away some of their bad contracts. Which means that I would move off the Bledsoe contract and the Ilyasova contract if I could, because that's a lot of money. The Bucks, like looking at the Bucks' salary cap situation, like they are they 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 have a lot to spend, and especially when you think about Giannis's 
if he does sign the Supermax, will kick in next season. The Bucks are going to be so screwed in, in the cap, with especially now that you're paying Bledsoe close to $20 million per year for the next three seasons. And then Ilya Sovic making seven million dollars his next season, so I can I would definitely look to maybe trade it trade it in, and I'll get into a couple of like options that I think that I found uh, that the Bucks can do. And then finally, obviously playoff depth. You know, as you mentioned, Budenholzer likes having going 11, 12 guys deep. Um, now again, was that to his detriment in this year's this past year's playoffs? Absolutely. Yes. But. You still need depth on the championship team. That's no like no question. Every championship team needs some. Level you need of depth. those two or three guys off the bench yes, that can exactly. come in and perform. And I feel like the Bucks need to get need to need to at least get that, or at least get some depth to address it in case they need it. And again, you that was a role that Malcolm Brogdon did play. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're gonna they're gonna regret that loss for a long time. Uh so those were some of the needs that I believe the Bucks need to fill. Next, we'll move into the draft. Obviously, because it is the offseason, we do got to talk about the draft. Uh, and just like the Raptors uh, that we talked about in last week's episode, uh, the Bucks have Indiana's first-round pick for this this upcoming draft, which is probably going to be a mid-first-round pick. Honestly speaking, I would just say, who cares? Like, just I would I would move the pick. Personally speaking, I just don't think the Bucks need to draft anybody right now. You could. You could draft them for your system, but... Who cares? Win a cha- right now, the priority is to win a championship. Which brings us into the potential moves or free agent signings or trades the Bucks can make uh, this offseason. Obviously, the name that has been thrown around a lot for the Milwaukee Bucks has been Chris Paul. Chris Paul is that type of uh, veteran point guard who can create, he can spread the floor, um, is an all-around leader, and I think is a type of pl- win-now player that a guy like Giannis looks at and will be like, okay... That that's something I, I I'd stay for. The problem with Chris Paul is it's going to be very difficult to get him. Not only does he have his forty four million dollar contract for the next two seasons, I don't see anybody on the Bucks roster that Sam Presti would willing is willing to trade for trade Chris Paul for. Yeah, okay, she's clearly in a rebuilding or retooling phase. We can say a very successful one where they're still winning, mm-hmm. right? But they're still in a you know transitional phase nonetheless. Um, and there's no point of giving up a all-star point guard, uh, especially who was the clutchest player this past season in the NBA. There's no point of giving up a guy like that for no, uh, for nothing, right? Just to salary dump him. And like you mentioned it, like this past season has really upped Chris Paul's trade value to the point where it's like, despite his his big contract, you can see that he can still bring you value even at his at his at his current again age. as long as he can stay on the court exactly as long issue. as he stays healthy you can see the type of value Chris Paul brings you but it, and that puts Sam Presti in Oklahoma City in a very advantageous position because now you can command a a great a good haul back for Chris Paul and here's the thing about the Chris Paul situation too for Sam Presti right it's not that you even necessarily need to trade him because of the fact that if you don't no, want to trade him you can keep him. Help him grow the young players, which is a very big part of what they're trying to do. So who who's a better mentor for Shea Gilgis Alexander than Chris Paul, right? Plus, you have him helping you win some games. As we know, o- the OKC fans are very passionate about their team, right? They always want to win. So, you know, those those fans aren't going to settle for being mediocre or bad. They always want to at least be competitive. OKC, even if they've had a bad team, they've always remained competitive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not that they've pretty much ever had a bad team. Well, They've only been around for like yeah. a decade. Yeah, but like that—that's the whole thing. Is that like 
Oklahoma City, they don't have to trade Chris Paul if they don't want to. Or the, and again, they have to look at the value that they're going to get back. And there's no one really on the Bucks roster that I see them saying, oh, we want to trade for that. Uh, so Chris Paul is definitely an option, but it's very unlikely. Next up is Bogdan Bogdanovich. It's a name that, that's been thrown out there. Now, he's going to be an RFA with the Sacramento Kings. My only concern is the Bucks don't really have money right now to to sign anybody. Now, again, you can sign an RFA to a, to an offer sheet, but Sacramento has every right to match. So, I don't Also, because of the fact that Sacramento would probably get a better offer from another team for Bogdanovich. Oh, absolutely. So, there's no point of them even, you know, Dealing with Milwaukee, throwing an offer sheet at Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But again, the type of player is definitely someone the Bucks would be interested in. Uh, he's a young player, definitely can score. Uh, uh, we want to see him in a winning situation. Definitely a good player. Now here's a player that I think is a little bit more realistic for the Bucks. Langston Galloway. He's gonna be a free agent uh, this off season. You know, I think again he's not. You know. The perfect player, but I think in the in the salary restriction that the Bucks have, he's a player that can shoot. He can create. Uh, at the very least, he can give, he will give you decent starter production or off the bench production. Well, mostly he's there to shoot. Yeah, much. he's mostly there to shoot. But at least you know you can he can handle the ball a little bit, and you know you can run him off the bench, have him score score some points for you. He's not he's not a straight shooter like a just a you know, catch and shoot specialist, but that's pretty much his role. If he needs to, he can go a bit off He's the He's a dribble. shot creator. Yeah, a bit a bit of a shot creator, but again, his main priority is to shoot, which again, in Mike Boonenhoser's system, that's what he wants. Yeah, and again, the reason why I'm even bringing up Galloway is because he, I think he wants to win now. He's been in so many losing situations with Detroit and, uh, you know, yeah, with New De- York, with Detroit, New York. It's time for this guy to get into a winning situation, so I think he will take a little bit of less money to come to the Bucks, which I think the it'll be smart for the Bucks to sign him to a one, maybe two year deal, maybe about in the range of eight eight million dollars per. The issue is if he wants a bigger contract, that, which is very possible considering the year he just had. Similar to a guy, uh, I don't know if you had him on here, but Tony Snell. Yeah, no, I I I was thinking of two Tony two Snell. guys who I think had very good years for themselves and uh, could command some. Pretty decent money at the very least. Yeah, but again, like that's the type, like that's the type of signing that the Bucks can definitely take advantage of. The next player is Bismack Biombo. Biombo is would be I think he'd be. We mentioned him for the Raptors actually, and I believe also for the Thunder. Um, Biombo is just that type of player now where he's gotten his big time money. I think he's in a position where he'd take less money to win now, and especially if a guy like Robin Lopez decides to leave, you have someone to come in and be the backup big behind Brook Lopez and who can also play alongside Giannis in potential like all like defensive lineups and you know again I don't think the fit would be great but that at the very least you have an end of the bench option right? yeah no and again Biombo also brings that locker room presence and everything that he brings in in that regard now here is where I'm going to get into a couple wild card scenarios now this is just me you know thinking like a little outside the box DeMar DeRozan is a free agent uh well obviously he do has, he does have a player option I think I think he's gonna decline it because I don't think San Antonio wants him or he doesn't want to be in San Antonio. It's not it's not a great fit it's even not. if they're you know even if they're cool with each other it's not really a great basketball fit. Yeah no San Antonio and Demar just not a really great fit. But Demar wants to be wants to win now. 
So I think he does need to definitely take a lesser role and maybe a bit of less money. But why not come to Milwaukee? Be a player off the bench. Will he accept that? Will he accept know. it? I don't know. But he could. DeMar could also start too. But he just won't fit with what the Bucks are trying to do. But if you want a ton of offense off your bench, this is not a bad signing. Pair that with like a guy like Lang- Langston Galloway. Especially if he's surrounded by shooters in a Budenholzer system. It could work. Budenholzer, to give him credit, he gets the most out of his offensive players, right? Yeah. So. And again, DeMar is one of the most efficient mid-range shooters in the, in the league right now. Like, if anyone, like, most people consider a mid-range a bad shot, but DeMar is one of the best shots you can take. Because he makes them all. Um, but it's doubtful to get DeMar DeRozan because, A, will he accept the, the lesser role? B, will he take less money? Because right now, DeMar is, has a $27 million player option. And what I think the Bucks would be able to sign him at is maybe a two-year deal front-loaded with 17, 18 mil for the first year with a $13 million player option next season. Again, if I was DeMar, to be honest, bro, I'd just pick up the money. Like, dude, that's $27 million. It's twenty-seven. He's not going to get that. He's not going to get it. But the, the reality is that do you want to win or do you want to pick up money? So DeMar DeRozan is interesting. Another wild card option, which I don't see the likelihood of that happening, is Derrick Rose. Now, again, similar to DeMar DeRozan, if you just want a player to come off your bench, uh, score buckets, and DeRozan can play make. He can, he can, he can pass uh, and get guys involved. Derrick Rose is a great option. Like he, he played. He was, he was the Pistons' best player last year, except most points of the season. Some points. Yeah. I say Christian Wood towards the end. Yeah, he's just your guy, Christian Wood. Bro, Christian Wood's a beast, man. Yeah. Hey, listen, bro, he is a beast. He's a good player, man. No, he's a good player. But no, Derrick Rose at the time the Pistons' best player, and I think a contender like the Bucks would definitely be interested in his services. Now, how would the fit necessarily work, and how would the Bucks trade for him? Because now you have to trade for him. That's definitely going to be something uh, that they're going to have to figure out. And finally, the the last two options are trading off op- trade options for the for the Bucks. The first one is what I mentioned earlier: the need of getting trading away bad contracts. Is the salary dump the Eric Bledsoe deal to a team with money? And there's not many teams with cap space. It's Atlanta, Detroit, New York, and the only team I can see likely picking that up is New York. You trade Bledsoe to New York. Maybe throw in that twenty, that Indiana pick and the first round pick, and and a, and a couple seconds for Wayne Ellington. For Wayne Ellington on a one year, eight million dollar deal. He is a shooter. Um, he can spread the floor for Giannis. A great depth guy off the bench. Uh, and you you clear up so much extra salary space. Not only this season, but the next four years, get by getting rid of Bledsoe. And the New York Knicks have the cap space; they can eat that salary. Uh, or tr- or flip him later on down the road, so that's that's one that I think is also very interesting on, because it definitely helps the Bucks now, and you can also use the money that you save off Bledsoe to sign a guy like a Demar Derozan or Langston Galloway, you know. Shout out to the guy who made the new trade machine, uh, website. That thing is facts. That thing is amazing. It's it's a great whoever did it, you know the team for the overall website's great to be honest. Yeah, it's it's an amazing website. So yeah, that's where we I, I did we did we did most of our planning for this. So yeah, Wayne Ellington, a salary dump for the Eric Bledsoe contract. I think it works. I think it's a definitely a good idea. And finally, another name that has been floating around. Um, is this very likely? Probably not. It's uh, Bradley Beal. The Bucks could try to trade for Bradley Beal. Now this would have to mean that they would need to part ways with Chris Middleton. 
Uh, mainly because again, there's no just like Chris Paul, there's no one really on the Bucks' current roster that entices the Wizards to trade their best one of their best players, argue their best, their player, be- their best, their best player. Because we don't best. know what John Wall's gonna look like now. For uh, you know, for like they, they don't. What are they gonna trade their best player for? You know, sure you can get a fir- like a couple first round picks for Bradley Beal, but you would have to give him Chris Middleton, an All Star capable player. Um, he, Chris Middleton is twenty nine, but again, he's locked up for the next four years, and I think, I think Chris Middleton would fit well next to John Wall. Weirdly enough, I mean Chris Middleton, I think would fit well next to anybody. Yeah, I and I think for the like that that to me is not a bad idea, but I don't see the Wizards doing it. But for the Buck side of things, I mean, you pair Bradley Beal with Giannis, whew, that that's a that's a nice that's combo. a that's a scary duel. That's a nice sure. combination. But overall, the theme for the Bucks is kind of clear. You want they're in win now mode right now. You know they gotta spend some money, but they need to, you know, work around what Giannis wants, and Giannis wants to win right now. So whether or not the Bucks are able to do that, I don't know, man. But I don't, I don't envy their front office, man, because this is a lot of tough decisions and financial juggling that they're gonna have to do to make this all work. Yeah, speaking of tough decisions, uh, we have the LA Clippers and their offseason outlook. Um, I think this is even worse than the Milwaukee situation. Yeah. I, yeah, no, no, it is worse. It is. That's it what, is. I mean, that's why we started with the Bucks first. Yeah, it is worse. <laughs> Especially given the market that they're in, in, you know, LA, and, and the fact that they're the, you know, bullied little brother in LA. Look, the Lakers just won the championship. So, literally, the Clippers are going to be clowned for the next five years, maybe ten I mean, the Clippers have been clowns since their existence in That's LA. Good point. Pretty much. That's a good point. Um, again, they should mostly by Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, bro. Who everyone, does? everyone in LA hates the Clippers, right? Yeah. Besides, like Clipper Daryl and Mar- Marcellus Wiley and stuff. Okay, like those couple of even Marcellus people. is at this point where he's like, "Yo, I might have to jump ship now." <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of the Clippers, in terms of their notable team free agents. Um, and this is partly one of the reasons why I said it was worse than the Milwaukee situation. Because of all the names that they have coming off their sheet this year. Um, and the decisions of what comes next for these guys. Um, first of all, we have Montrez Harrell, the big one, right? Um, he's going to be one of the top free agents, uh, probably what top five free agent in this year's class. In a weak free agent class, yes. Yeah, yeah I would think he's probably a top five free agent. Um, obviously, he's the reigning sixth man of the year. Um, I think it was a tale of two seasons um, for him. He from, was not good in the bubble. He was like, not. Obviously, there's, you know, there's issues that happened with him in the bubble, and the fact that you know nobody, a lot of the, him in particular, I think I would excuse for his absence in the bubble and the fact that he couldn't get back into shape and whatnot. But the facts don't lie that he was not good, right? Yeah. In the in especially in the postseason. Um, and the fact that he got exposed in the postseason of, you know, what he is and the li- liabilities that he possesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he is your, you know, top three score or top four score um, for the Clippers. So he is a big one. Then you have Marcus Morris. Um, the Clippers famously acqu- acquired him at the trade deadline last season. Primarily did not let him go to the Lakers. And that kind of backfired because the Lakers got Marcus Markeith Morris, who I think played even better than Marcus Morris. Besides that blunder in the finals. Yeah, yeah. Besides that, but um, yeah, Markeith Morris is known as a you know quote unquote worst twin. But to be honest, from what I saw, he was better 
than um, Marcus. I think primarily because he understood his role and he wasn't chucking 20 shots a game like Marcus Morris. And that's the thing about Marcus Morris. I think his after his Celtics stint, where like... Hey, listen, there's a reason why Celtics fans hate him. Him and Terry Rozier, Celtics fans hate Look, him. Look, I think this guy got too cocky and too like about himself when like, you know, uh, after his Celtics stint. To the point now where he's like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna spurn the sp- like, you know, you know, just screw the Spurs and go to the get my money from the Knicks and then, you know, force my way to the Clippers and. I mean, that was smart on his part. Though. No, it, it, it <laughs> he got his money. Okay, but the reality is, is that you didn't play well when you when you got there. You had your chance to compete for a championship and you didn't play great. Yeah, so he's definitely gonna be an interesting name. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have also Jamichael Green, who was I think probably a top five player. Maybe even higher for the Clippers in this postseason. Um, you do have his uh five million dollar player option, so it remains to be seen on what he does. Because obviously, as I said, this postseason I think has increased his stock by a lot. I've always liked Jamichael Green, even since he was in Memphis. Um, but I think yeah, he wasn't. He was, a good player in Memphis. He, he was a good player in Memphis. I just think you know those last couple, of, these past couple of years, he's kind of been underrated a bit. But this postseason has shown why he's, you know, a quality role player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you have a couple of guys rounding out, um, you know, what looks to be heading towards the end of their careers. Reggie Jackson, Joakim Noah, Patrick Patterson. I think Reggie Jackson still has some time. He can still do a little bit. Bring back Joe. Him. Bring back Joakim. Just because just we just want to see him on the, just see him on the team. Honestly, I don't care about that. Bro, he's, he's a great guy, man. Like, that's the thing, man. I just like seeing him on, on a team, man. I mean, bro, he got his money at the end of the day. Like, yo, you'll sign for 1.5 minutes. Like, like, the vet I mean, men. To, to your credit, you know, he is a great locker room guy for the Clippers to have. So, I think the Clippers will be open to bringing him back um, in terms of all the intangibles. Well, let's be real. Besides the Vita Zubac, they don't really have any center. Well, that's what I was getting into. Um, in terms of the team needs, um, they are... I think we might as well bring this up right now. So, the NBA recently said that... Um, they don't expect this season's salary cap to be any lower than last season's, which was $109 million. Um, so similarly to the, what the NHL did, it's a flat cap situation where it doesn't screw over teams, uh, like at least not, it doesn't screw over teams dramatically this year where they just won't have enough money to pay decent or like, you know, good level contracts to players. It just means that the cap is not increasing as it does every single year. Which does mean that the luxury tax will not increase either, or maybe it will increase slightly. Yeah. Um, so the problem is that the Clippers are committed to $115 million this season, uh, which means that they're over the cap already. Um, so I think that's the number one thing you have to keep in mind. Um, but overall, when it comes to Clippers, similar to Milwaukee, they're in a win-now situation. So these cap numbers and whatnot, you have to sacrifice... And Steve Ballmer is willing to pay. Listen, man, luxury Steve Ballmer is the richest NBA owner by far, anyway. So, like, he's willing to pay the luxury tax, but he just doesn't want to pay for a player like way off P, who's gonna <laughs> not even hit the backboard when he takes a three point shot in a playoff series. Like, it just makes sense. I mean, like, why would you want to put your money into something like that? Yeah. Um. Again, so I think when you talk about the cap situation, the Clippers do obviously need to sacrifice it for the sake of winning. But again, it, it does handicap them um, in certain ways. Um, for the Clippers, though, you do have Lou Will's expiring contract and Jamichael Green's option for this year. 
Um, so at least immediately for this next season, you do have two options right there that you can deal with. Um, you know, potential trade assets. Um, Lou Will's contract is eight million dollar, um, and Jermichael Green's a five million dollar. Um, so you do have those assets. Um, but then in terms of their actual roster needs, they need a point guard who can create. First of all, um, yeah. that was a big issue that you saw with. You know, obviously Patrick Beverly is good at what he does. Yes, right around. <laughs> You know, playing defense, I think, um, for one, sure. he, he's good at he's good at what he does. Okay, we'll say that he he's okay. He's in he's his a, role. He's a decent defender, just not All NBA third team while playing forty games. All NBA? No, what was it? All NBA? All defensive, defensive second team. Sorry. Yeah, that was blasphemous, to Kyle Lowry, bro. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do you for the Clippers. I think we're seeing that in the reports this off season, um, in terms of Rondo, um. You know, the Clippers trying to chase Rondo. They need a point guard who can create, as well as a small ball big. You saw that issue with last year's postseason, that they had either... They had to go completely big with Zubac um, and sacrifice that quickness and defensive agility, or they had to go smaller with Montrez Harrell and then sacrifice the size and the strength. Like, you definitely want a dynamic big. You want a big that you can run in big or small lineups. And I think, again, like those... There are there are some play, players that on the market that can do that. Yeah, so um, I think we'll get into that a bit later. But yeah, um, so A, point guard who can create um, and B, a small ball big, I think is what you need. And again, as I talked about, you need to win right now. You, yeah. The Clippers essentially have one season to get this together and win a championship. Um, they have Kawhi Leonard and PG's expiring contracts. Well, they have their, again, this is, they have this year and so then they, they have the player option. So they signed two plus one, so yeah. yeah. So one year's already gone. So you have next year, and by all accounts, they're gonna decline those player options. Unless obviously the cap just goes completely messed. Um, I mean, look, let's be real. Kawhi has shown he's not afraid to leave a situation that he doesn't like, and he's a winning player. Like he's a player that wants to win. Yeah, you know. Um, and then obviously Paul George will probably you know he'll he'll probably get like a good contract as well, right? Um, so obviously these guys are probably going watching ends up on the Lakers. That would be funny. Watching ends up on the Lakers, that would be man. Funny. I, I, bro, if Paul George ends up on the Lakers, you come back, come back to this episode. That would be funny though. Uh, but yeah, I think um, in terms of what they need, they have some. They need some serious win now pieces. Yeah. Um, and I think they just have to commit to next year fully yeah. and uh, understand that. It is a win now situation and not what Paul George said about oh it's a long term process and whatnot and whatever you said, right? You have to understand it's a win now situation. He's gotta you, stop being way off P. I'm sorry because you're way off on the media. You're way up on your shots. Uh, Paul George, man. Paul George. Bro, just focus on winning. That's all I can see. Pretty much. You know? Um, in terms of the draft, obviously we know what happened with their draft picks this past off season. Um, all gone. They're all gone, pretty much. Um, and they only have second-round picks. For the picks. next five years. Yeah, they only have second-round picks, pretty much, from now on. They do have the 57th Don't overall. Don't they have, like, pick swaps, too, that they have to worry about? Yeah, something like that. Pretty much, they have no draft capital. Um, again, that comes with the territory of trying to win now. But, again, if they don't win now... Well, also mortgaging your future. You're mm-hmm. looking at a Billy King situation in Brooklyn. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, they do have the 57th overall pick this um, draft. Again, I don't know what you would... Who cares? Yeah. You got to win now. You're there's not nothing they can really do with it. Yeah. Um, that moves us into the free agents slash trades for this offseason that they can do and uh, their options. 
as I talked about before, number one, Montrez Harrell. You have to decide what you want to do. Again, they are very cap strapped, so it's it's very. It would be hard to maneuver, but with the NBA's cap situation and you know how easy it is sometimes for teams to maneuver around those cap situations, I wouldn't be surprised if he was to come back to the Clippers. I just don't think it's particularly likely. Um, he would. He's probably going to ask for around a you know twenty million dollar four-year contract somewhere in that ballpark i would say 15 to 20 per season um i mean and some of it deserve it i mean like he has played very well these last he definitely er, he definitely deserves a pay raise he no for sure he definitely but again my concern in montrez is i think another team a team with a lot more caps with like a charlotte or like a new york or you know or in atlanta will honestly throw, throw some money at him yeah that the clippers just won't be able to match again um the Clippers do have some contracts that they can, you know, trade off and whatnot. Rodney McGruder, Ivica Zubac isn't on a bad contract, Landry Shaman. Um, so they do have some a couple of pieces that if they were really desperate to trade uh, to re-sign Montrez Harold, they can work with. Um, but again, if Montrez does sign a you know $80 million contract, technically the Clippers would still be under the tax, um, according to the numbers. So, you know, for what that's worth, it could theoretically happen. Um, then we have uh, Rajon Rondo, who has already been linked to the Clippers in off-season reports. Um, I doubt Rondo's going to leave the Lakers, man. I, I just, I think LeBron likes Rondo, and I think Rondo has just found a team that's going to be able to put up with him in the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, Rondo's I, had a rough couple of years, so yeah. for him to be able to get into a situation like the Lakers, I don't think he's going to take it for granted. Um, again, it goes back to the Clippers needing a point guard who can, you know, facilitate and create. No, Rondo would de- for the Clippers' perspective, going after Rondo makes sense. I don't know how likely Rondo is gonna be to leave the Lakers. Yeah, then we have uh, Mo Harkless, who the Clippers did trade this past season. So for what that's worth, the three and D guy, you know, quote unquote. To be to be fair to the Clippers, Mo Harkless did play really shit for the, for for them. Yeah, they, he, he, was, so, he was garbage. And what was he making, like an $11 million, $12 million contract? So I think it was I think it was closer to 17 if I remember. It was, it was some big contract, so... Yeah. Um, and then we have, as you talked about, Langston Galloway, a guy that can shoot if the Clippers can sign him on a small contract, which That's I don't think will happen. That's an interesting move. It would definitely be a really good move for the Clippers, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, DJ was, Augustine, yeah. you know, a guy that can facilitate... He's um, a good vet that you can get on a cheap deal. For sure. Now, how good will he be? He is a known Raptor killer, if that means anything anymore. I mean, you don't need him to be crazy either. For what is for what he did for Orlando, I think, that's even more than you'd expect. He's a very for, steady hand, for yeah. sure. Uh, that's For what he did in Orlando, I think that's even more than what you'd expect him for the Clippers, right? So I think the Clippers would definitely be willing to get him. Wilson Chandler is another depth guy. Um, you know, you can throw him at the power forward spot, a three and D, quote unquote, again. Um, and then in terms of you know a smaller big man, uh, Harry Giles. Harry Giles has popped up in a couple of teams' feeds um, this off season. You know, a guy mm. that can do some stuff on offense, who can you know move around on defense. Harry Giles has potential. I'll give him that, but he still hasn't shown. Like he's definitely a gamble. I think he's he's, def- he's a gamble, but I think for what the Clippers need. I don't think Harry Giles would be a bad option. Again, it depends on what he wants from his financial perspective. Um, and then finally, we can talk about a couple of trades quickly. Um, Paul Millsap, I think, would be a good fit for the Clippers. 
obviously it's gonna be tough to be able to he do would that. Be solid if they he would be solid. He would be solid. He theoretically could be signed for the Clippers if they can get free from Lou Will and um, Jamichael Green's contract. Whatever way, parting away from Lou from Lemon Pepper Lou like that. Uh, I don't know, man. Again, he- Lou Will has proven that he's not good in the playoffs. Right, so for what that's worth, at least Paul Millsap, you kind of know more of what you're getting from him. Um, but yeah, if they can get off of Lou Will and Jamichael Green's contract, I think the Paul Millsap thing could theoretically work. Paul Millsap would definitely be a great pickup for the for the for the Clippers, man. Like, think about like the small ball lineup you can run. You can run with like Kawhi at the four, Millsap at the five, Paul George at the at the three, go Shamit, and maybe uh, whoever they got a point guard. Yeah, it could for work. sure. Um, another guy that's been, I think, unrealistically thrown linked to the Clippers, but in terms of the third star, um, is Bradley Beal. No. Now, for a Bradley Beal situation, I don't see it happening. It's similar to what we talked about with the Bucks. What on the Clippers are the Wizards going to look at and say we're going to trade our best player for that? The Clippers don't even have picks. Yeah, like at least the Bucks have some picks that they can trade. The only way they would be able to even make the salary cap situation work is if they were to trade Jamichael Green, Patrick Beverly, Lou Will, and some picks to make that contract work. Um, but again, why would Washington even do that? There's no point of them doing that. And finally, we have Drew Holiday, which is interesting. Mm, um, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's likely, but we've seen unlikelier stuff happen with veteran, you know. Uh, players in terms of going to winning situations um again you would need you would need lou will patrick beverly and some picks to make the money work again they don't have um but you would need a couple of players to go right um in terms of you know making the financial situation work but again if they were able to pull that off man that would be that would be crazy that would be crazy because again now you have three of the best perimeter defenders in the league on on one team that would be great, but again, why would David Griffin look at look at Drew, trading Drew Holiday for aging veterans on bad contracts? Well, that's that's the issue, right? You know. So in terms of the Clippers' overall situation, again, they don't have many options um, except to pretty much just try with, to win with whatever team they have. It's championship or bust for the Clippers. Pretty let's, much. Let's be real. If they don't win it next year. This team is done. Like yeah. this, this team is going to be the laughing they, stock. They have to, you know, as we saw with other championship contenders, fill the rest of the roster with um, minimum guys in order to chase that championship. But, you know, we'll see what happens with them next year. Yeah. So those were our offseason outlooks for both the Milwaukee Bucks and the, Phil- and the, sorry, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Let us know what you guys think. Do you guys agree or disagree? What, what would you do to fix these teams or help these teams win a championship? Uh, next season let us know on social media uh, and yeah uh, moving on into the up and under segment for this week um, again some new a lot, a bit of news this week wasn't a very boring week first off are you up or under on Daryl Morey becoming uh, the, the new president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers on a five year deal listen um, you, you see how much listen <laughs> If you listen to me talk about Daryl Morey, people know I hate Daryl Morey. Again, not because of the guy, just because of what he's implemented in the NBA. I'm more of a 2000s guy. I don't like the... I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the just chuck threes or force it inside kind of approach on offense. But in terms of what Philadelphia needs, I think they need some stability. So I'm going to say I'm up on it from the Philadelphia 76ers perspective. Um, in terms of a guy that 
actually has a clear goal of what he wants to do instead of a guy like Elton Brand, Brand who just wants to just gets whatever pieces he can and then throws so them you're, together. You're okay with literally like one and a half, one and a half years in, the Sixers are like, yeah, we're usurping Elton Brand's power and putting in uh, Daryl Morey. Yes, I'm okay with that because Elton Brand is shown to be completely incompetent. Um, at least, listen, at the very least, you can say Daryl Morey has knows exactly what he wants to do and will go out and do it. Yeah. You have no idea what Elton Brand actually is doing and what he wants to do. I still don't know what he's doing. Let's Nobody knows what he's doing, to be honest, right? Um, but this does tell me that, you know, I think either one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons is gone. That's what I would say. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Again, like, again, I'm not as strongly negative towards Daryl Morey like you are. But I will say this. What he did in Houston definitely flopped. But he did make some solid moves. At, 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 I mean, he had, his, he had his really big ups and he had some downs, right? Really lows. Like, like, Overall, I think he was one of the better executives. Mm-hmm. You can't deny that he was one of the better executives, right? Obviously, some of his moves went horribly wrong, but you can't deny that he was one of the better executives in the league, which is something that the 76ers desperately need. And again, you mentioned the stability. At least Daryl Morey will bring you front off, that front office experience, that uh, that level of uh, creating a plan, especially analytically. The Sixers literally have no uh, direction or no plan and roster construction was our biggest complaint with the Sixers, which credit to Daryl Morey. When he has a plan on how his roster is going to look, he, he goes and does it. Yeah. Uh, next up, are you up or under on the Rockets also hiring uh, former Mavericks assistant Steven Silas to become their new coach? Um, I'm up on it. I don't know much about Steven Silas. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Reportedly, it was because of his offensive creativity and right. whatnot that he really impressed during his interviews. How long um, has he been under Rick Carlisle? Honestly, I'm not sure. I okay. think a couple years, maybe? I'd have to assume he's he been... Ha- he has uh, a lot of experience. Okay, he's been... At least what I know is he's been under Rick Carlisle for a few years now. Um, developed young talent. He definitely, you know, has that level of off- like offensive creation from what I've seen. The Mavs have always been a very innovative team. Uh, and again, that tutelage under Rick Carlisle is, I think, something that uh, would be interesting for the Rockets. And it's just good to see them going with a new, younger type of coach rather than going for, like, a Ty Lue or, you know, one of the one of those bigger names that really isn't going to help them on the X's and O's side of things. So I, I'm definitely up on this, and I'm, I wish him the best. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Moving on, are you up or under on... The NBA wanting to bring begin the next season on December 22nd and players are pushing for a January 18th date. Now specifically Danny Green actually came out and said that if the season starts uh, on December 22nd, a pl- players like LeBron James will might not come for the first month and might not play for the first month. So are you up or under on the whole like, you know, dispute on when the NBA should start next season? I mean, I guess I'm up because at least shows that, like, there's a level of, you know, planning going on that's very, you know, thorough. Um, so I will say that. Um, in terms of the Danny Green thing, now, let's be clear, LeBron never said anything. It was Danny Green who was saying maybe, you know, guys like LeBron and whatnot, older guys um, might not come for the first month. Um, the issue with the players pushing for a January 18th situation is that um, the difference between the 20, December 22nd and January 18th dates is reportedly around $600 million for the players, right? So would the players accept losing $600 million? 
uh, we saw in the bubble that they didn't want to sacrifice their money. Look, so. let me just preface this by saying that it's not just about the teams that have just played in the bubble. It's about the teams that haven't played since March. Some of them haven't even played since February because we, we the pandemic happened at the beginning of March. Those teams will have such a long layoff that it's unfair that they have to wait longer to start a season. And let's be real. Most of these players have already arrested up from the four-month layoff and now whatever has been this little mini one-and-a-half-month offseason. Again, the NBA runs by stars, so there it does. is that. So, for me personally, I think December is, a, is the perfect start date. Uh, yeah, next up, are you up or under on Pat Riley saying the Lakers title had an asterisk because of Miami's injuries? However, when asked again on those comments, he walked back those comments okay. and said that Miami, not the Lakers, uh, have an asterisk on this finals appearance due to their injuries. Look, they felt they could have gone seven games. Look, this is why Pat Riley's the godfather. Now, I'm under on the comments because I do believe that the Lakers title doesn't have an asterisk. There's no, again, we've talked about this enough, there's no such thing as a championship with an asterisk. Even if you're the Golden State Warriors and those KD teams, championships are not created equal, but there's no asterisk on a championship. It's their value. That's definitely something you can talk about. But again, if we're talking about the injuries to Miami, that's part of the game. That's bro. part of the game, man. Like, there's nothing I can, I can't fault. Like, again, I can't fault the Lakers for winning a championship like that when the he got like you. No one could have seen Dragic getting a like a tearing his plantar fascia and whatever Bam's injury was. Like, you can't foresee that. So I don't see that as a as something to, you know. You know, reduce what the Lakers did as a championship team. They they won. They they played really well and deserved to win that t- championship. Yeah, like there's no again, there's no asterisk for NBA champion, right? Each team puts in the requisite work to get to that spot. There's only one team that gets it, right? Yeah, and we so, mentioned this. Like it's it's about it's about their overall value in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of the, of a championship. That's completely different. And we talked about that a couple episodes ago. So definitely listen to that. Yeah. Next up, are you up or under on the NBA considering to nix the next All-Star game um, for in favor of a two-week break? Yeah, I'm up on it. I think, especially if we're not going to have fans, there's no point having an All-Star break that is supposed to be for the fans. Like, I get it. Yeah, it's a festivity thing, like, right? It's, it's for the fans. You know, it's 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 a exhibition type of game now again last season's all-star game was great but the greatest all-star game i saw with this pandemic and everything and no fans to me there's no point and again if you are starting the season earlier this is what you can sell players on saying hey we'll give you a two-week rest in the middle of the season to get healthy not to mention the fact that they're gonna have to do some sort of you know quarantine environment not not that not necessarily that they're gonna do a bubble but the fact is that they're going to have to, for example, play all New York. Each team is going to have to play the same area teams within the same span. For example, you know, playing New York, Brooklyn, um, and who else? Probably it will be Charlotte next because Charlotte's further Yeah, like south. playing teams in your area all together before moving on to the next area kind of thing, right? So there's going to be some sort of logistics issue with that. And as you talked about before, the fans... You know, not having any fans, I think there's no point of even having entertaining an all-star game. Yeah. Right? So, there, uh, yeah, there's no point of It's that. an event for the fans. With no fans, it doesn't make sense. Moving on, are you up or under on Shaquille O'Neal criticizing the Lakers bench players for celebrating the NBA title? Um, now, more specifically, if you listen to his comments, it's kind of more directed to Dwight Howard. Um, which, I'm under on this. Because, first of all, that I thought the bad. beef between him and Dwight Howard were done. But, like, bro, his... 
his comments were just so uncalled for because of the fact that yo guys like Dwight Howard and stuff if on their IG were preaching positivity bro they're not doing anything wrong but first of all they worked they worked especially a guy like Dwight Howard who was very valuable to the Lakers don't don't Dwight mix that Howard up. earned that championship he earned it not to mention even the bench warmers you, know, you can say oh these guys were literally on the court to high five teammates right uh, at the end of they they did work to that spot there's only it's only less than one percent of people in the world that get to I'll that give you I'll give you this the perfect example are you gonna say that James Jones and Patrick McCaw haven't done anything? Okay, you can say that, but at the end of the day, they're both three-time champs. And at the end of the day, that's false because if you look at a guy like James Jones, his impact wasn't measured on what he did on the court, right? Yeah, his locker room presence, yeah. his leadership. Um, so I think I'm very, like, I think it points to kind of a old, you know, we've seen this before, like the kind of stereotypical old head, old head mentality yeah. of oh my era was better than yours or blah blah blah. Um, or like the superstar. Listen, I saw a comment that was very um, relatable that said, uh, and very true, I think, that said that Shaquille O'Neal is the most likable and most unlikable player at the same time. I think that's very accurate in terms of, you know, he's he's that guy that's very funny. Who do, he does a lot of great work for community and whatnot. Yeah. But his... Moments like these where you just like hating, straight up hating on other players and whatnot. Um, now look, if you're hating on players that you that deserve it, like Kyle Kuzma, of course I'll be all for it. I'll be all <laughs> up on that. Like again, who makes a stupid pass like this in front of LeBron and and when? No, okay, yeah, we're not talking about Kuzma right now. Yeah, but I think the the comments were completely like it. It, it was it was very not. It was very stupid, bro. Like, yeah. The, the comments were not great. Especially man. directed towards a guy like Dwight Howard, who honestly is probably the best feel-good story of this championship. Exactly, bro. And, like, Shaq, I, again, as I said, Shaq has had these moments of, you know, um, hating. It's like pure hate, which makes no sense considering he always complained about how Will Chamberlain never gave him that respect. But then now he's doing that to the next generation. So, again, I don't really... Yeah, I, it's definitely a generational type thing. Yeah. Uh, and finally, are you up or under on Michael Jordan saying that he doesn't know if he can, he doesn't know if he can play he could have played in the social media area in the era? Um, I'm up on it because I don't know if he would have been able to with all the right? shit that he did. <laughs> yeah, with all the stuff that he did. and Michael Jordan was a very private person, right? You know, yeah, we talked about Kawhi Leonard being such a private person. Michael Jordan was a very private person, you especially know? like if you watched Last Dance, especially when he realized like. That what comes with com- the territory of com- becoming a superstar level. You saw player. how much it wore him out, right? It Just did. in that he little documentary. Yeah. Um, obviously, the retirement thing is a different story. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you know comes with that retirement thing. But um, in terms of you know like him in the social media era, like think about how much you'd get killed, right? Dude, you would he would get destroyed dude. in the social media era, bro. Especially the type of you know stuff that some of the stuff they used to do. This is why you got to give LeBron a lot of some of his credit because the fact that you were able to be a superstar in the, the social big, media era yeah. and with and does he, LeBron hasn't had any major uh newsworthy he's had nothing on his issues no yeah. He's nothing he's had absolutely nothing on his resume. Besides the decision. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? The worst thing you can point him for is the decision. So like leaving which, Leaving, leaving a, a a team to go to a another shitty organization team. to go to a which by the way the whole decision thing he was it was for profit for his charity right so that if that's the worst thing you can blame him for right that's why you have to give LeBron some major credit yeah 
with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up, letter N, under podcast. Facebook.com slash up and under podcast for our latest updates and when we post a new episode or a reaction to new news as they occur. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. Um, if you want to learn more about like blog posts about every single episode, definitely check it out there. Uh, yeah, man. And we're going to continue our off-season coverage in the coming episodes, so definitely stay tuned for that. With that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy. Uh...